What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. Hope everybody's having a tremendous day. If uh, if you or a loved one needs help, if you need resources for rehab, if you need a recovery coach, if you need a free meetings list, whatever the case may be, you can contact my line. It is 203-917-8862. Again, that is 203 917 8862. Today, something that's on my mind is, um, is, you know, replaying the time that I almost relapsed. And the reason why I think this is an important topic is maybe you can take something from um, my past experience, from basically where I was at, what type of mind frame I was in, um, the things that were going on in my life when I almost relapsed. I, I was in a I was in a place where I was in my uh, second year, second year in sobriety. I was either approaching my second year or I already had two years at this point. And, um, you know, honestly, man, like my, my first year, of course, for most people, your first year can be rough, right? But but for me, like overall, my first year was real solid. You know, I got serious about my recovery um, I was going to meetings all the time. I was being honest with people. Um, I had good support. I was really doing much better in my life. I was progressing with jobs. I was progressing in my health. Um, was starting to take care of myself a lot better, and I and you know was starting to build um, friendships, not just in the meetings, but with people that. Um, were my age and I didn't party and get high with. So really, I mean, like, listen, my life was getting better in all areas of my life in my first year. And I really felt good about where I was at. And, you know, it's funny. In, in AA, they call it the terrible twos. And, and a part of the reason why you, you can you consider it the terrible twos or why that's even a phrase to begin with is because a lot of people, after you get your first year, I'll keep it on me. I think after my first year, I got comfortable and I started to feel like, you know what? I got this or I know what I'm doing. And my ego was starting to creep in a little bit more. And cause I felt like, I think in the beginning, actually, I don't think I know, I know for a fact in the beginning, when I was first getting clean, I was in a, in a completely humble place. Like, I knew that it wasn't so much my doing and it was actually me getting out of my own way. And what I mean by that is when I was getting high and when I was drinking and I was uh, in my active addiction, I was running my life into the ground and it was because it was the way I was doing things, you know, my way of thinking got me in that situation, my way of doing things landed me in a lot of trouble my way of doing things um ended up with me putting a needle in my arm you know what i'm saying and so my way of doing things sucked and that couldn't be ignored when i was first trying to get clean i realized you know what dude i really don't have this down pat at all and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm just running my life into the ground so you know what why don't I try to do things a different way? And why don't I allow people 
who know a little bit more than me, how maybe I should let them tell me how to live my life. And in order for for me to get to that place, I needed to be beat down so much because I always thought I knew. Uh, you know, my ego was always in control. I thought I always had the answers. Um, you couldn't tell me anything. I was always anti-authority. Um, you know, I was very stubborn, and I still can be. You know, like those are those are some of my roots. Not that that's not that that means that you can't change that because of course it is, and I and I've worked on that, but I still have that in me. Where I, I kind of, I could be very stubborn. I could be very hard-headed on things that I feel strongly about, and sometimes I have to take a step back and realize, you know what? I need to be a little bit more open-minded. I need to realize that my way isn't, you know, it shouldn't be my way or the highway. Anyway, bringing you back. When I was first getting clean, this was very apparent to me that I was responsible for where I was at, and. I was not in a good place. So, you know what? Let me hand over the keys to to some other people that I trusted. Let me start going to meetings. Let me, you know, let me go to rehab. Let me do some things differently. Um and, and maybe I'll end up getting different results because the results I'm getting are shit. So, when you're in that place, it comes in a place of humility. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're humiliated. It just means you have to be humble if you're going to uh, listen to other people and, and be open-minded. So um, I think when I got into my second year, I forgot a little bit about how I got there, how I even got the opportunity to to say that I had two years clean, you know? Um, or, or that I got through my first year. And the reason why that happened was because I was listening to other people and I was getting out of my own way. It wasn't because of me, you know? So the reason I'm saying that is because, and giving you a little bit of a backstory, is because I th- in my second year, I really felt like, you know what, man, I got this. I know what it takes. I, you know, I don't have to, I don't always have to be telling people. I don't always have to call my sponsor. I don't really need anybody holding me accountable. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing really well. And you know what? There was some truth to that. I was doing well. And I, I, it's not that my mind frame was really in a negative place, but I kind of started to allow to feed my ego again. You know, so um, I, I found myself in a position where I was living on my own. Um, I got things back real quick, you know. I really worked hard in my first year, and like I said, I was progressing in all areas. And and I, I uh, you know, for the first time, I had I had a car in a long time, and I had my own little apartment. You know, it was the small, it was the small little apartment, but you know what? I was proud of it because I worked for it. You know, and um, I started getting better jobs, and I felt good about, it, and I was producing. And uh, I had a girlfriend. Um, you know, like I said, just a lot of areas of my life were going really well. Now, what I think happened was I stopped going to meetings as much. I was starting to gamble, you know, that was definitely a part of it. I was, I was starting to get heavy into my gambling. Um, I pulled back on the meetings. 
I wasn't being as honest with people. And I started getting pretty resentful, you know. I went through my steps. I went through the 12 steps of AA and went through it pretty pretty thorough with my sponsor. You know, I was honest with it. But um, I wasn't doing like a daily inventory. A part of, a part of the steps, you know, one of, the, one of the steps is that you do a daily inventory of, of making sure that you continue to basically do the right thing, you know, and keeping your side of the street clean. And I started uh, doing things my way again and kind of letting my ego take over. So, um, you know, I was having issues with, uh, with my girlfriend at the time. Um, I was gambling. My finances were starting to stress me out. And, uh, you know, this was building over time. And by me not going to meetings and me not sharing about this shit and kind of having like that pressure relief valve, that's a big thing about the meetings that a lot of people um, don't know if you haven't been to meetings. It's like when you go to a group that you really connect with and you can and you have some people that you can trust, there is a lot of power in being able to share that with people and having that relief. Being able not even needing solutions, you know what I'm saying? Not even needing answers from people. It's just being able to share shit. And just being able to kind of like communicate what's going on with your life. And and when a problem is shared, it's cut in half. You know, think about it. When you actually write something down. When. Excuse me. When you you share some information with somebody, the, the, the problem is cut in half. You know, it's laid out for you to see. And um, I wasn't doing that. You know, I was keeping stuff to myself. I was um, building a lot of resentments in my head with people that were uh, in my life. And, and, uh, you know, I found myself in a pretty vulnerable place because this has been building for a long time. Eventually, I got to a place where I was starting to hang out with some old friends here and there, you know. Didn't start off as... It wasn't an everyday thing, but I was starting to see some old friends every now and then. And so this is kind of how the the table gets set. A couple things go wrong. You start to get pissed off a lot more easier. You're cutting back on your meetings. And at the same time, while you're not going to meetings, you're starting to replace that with seeing people that you maybe shouldn't be seeing and slowly but surely you know i I found myself in the spot where oh shit you know um i'm not in a good place and why is that you know i remember thinking myself like what the fuck is going on and uh doesn't take a rocket science a rocket scientist to now figure it out but this is kind of how things happen they happen slowly but surely And, um, I got to a place where I basically, you know, I had one, one event happen that really pissed me off. You know, I got into a fight with somebody and, uh, and that was like the, that was like the fire starter. You know, that was my excuse. This is the thing. You don't even realize it, but a lot of times right before a relapse, the relapse is just the last thing to happen. The signs were always there and they were happening in front of you, but we ignore a lot of the signs and I was literally, I was just waiting for that one big thing to be my excuse to get high, you know, 
um, here's the thing. This is this is pretty much what I know um, about about recovery. Is we we need to change who we are. A lot of the attitudes, behaviors, and our character defects and the and certain traits we need to work on. Because if we don't change who we are, we're eventually going to get high again. You know, you ever heard of someone who's dry, a dry drunk or someone who's a dry user? Um, Maybe they've been abstinent for a little bit. But they're still that same angry, miserable individual. And that's not sustainable in recovery. It took me a while to realize this of like, oh shit, recovery is a, is a lot more than just like the physical part of putting of putting away the drugs or putting away the drinking. We actually, I actually have to change who I am. It's me, I'm the problem, you know what I'm saying? The way I'm thinking, the way that I operate is the issue. So if I continue to operate in an egotistical way or or thinking of myself first, thinking of my needs, not wanting to contribute to other people, not changing um, who I am as a person, not working on my on my um, you know working on my self-worth or my image or or not not working on my resentments and the and the reasons why we get high. If we don't work on that shit, eventually we're gonna go back to to what numbs those feelings. Because when those feelings and those emotions come back and we don't have good coping mechanisms or we don't work on changing them, then guess what? You're gonna go back to what you know. That's how you get in that position to begin with. The reason why we drink, the reason why we get high is because we think it works for us. We think it solves a problem. The issue is that the next day, those issues arise again. Therefore, we need to give the solution to it again. You know, so I found myself in a position where I was very vulnerable um, to my doing. I mean, it was obvious now that I look back, but I remember I called one of my old friends, one of the old kids I, I was getting high with, and... Um, I said to him, uh, I remember it so clearly too, man, it's crazy that this was like fucking six years ago. I, I hit him up and I said, yo, um, I said, uh, the, the crazy, you know, I said, I, I, I'm looking for a couple bundles, which is heroin. You know, I said, let's, I said, what can you, uh, what can you get from me? You know, I'm looking for a couple bundles. And he said, well, um, you know, we'll probably have to go over to uh to Danbury which which was you know wasn't too far from me and I said all right and I said when uh when do you want to uh when can we do this and he said let me make a call and I'll and I'll call you back the ironic part about this is this is actually somebody that I took to a meeting like two weeks earlier (laughs) I took him to a meeting because I was trying to help him get clean and because uh, obviously he he had his own demons, of course, and and he you know had a little attempt to get clean and sober. So we went to a meeting, and obviously uh, he didn't stick it out. And I knew that obviously he wasn't doing too well. So I uh, I gave him a call. He called me back. He says, "Yeah." He says, "Yo, why don't you why don't you come through?" You know, and he said, "When can you be here?" I said, "I'll come and pick you up in like fifteen minutes," and I was going. You know, I was committed. I knew I was making a mistake. I knew that this was something I should not have been doing. That I've been working hard, man. I've been 
really working on myself and, and putting in that work for two years and I knew I was about to drop the ball big time. And I was just in a position where I was like, you know, when you have the fuckets and you just don't care, you know, and that's where I was at. I just didn't care. And I was willing to throw it away, even though I knew it was going to be a mistake. And so um, I'm on my way to his house. And I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, man, like, do I really want to do this? Like, am I really about to do this shit? And uh, I knew it would go really bad. I knew it would. It, it knew it wasn't going to be a one-time thing. You know, I wasn't delusional about that. I was willingly throwing away my opportunity to be clean. And and he calls me back. I'm I'm like literally I'm five minutes away from his house. No 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 joke. I'm five minutes away. And he calls me back and he says um he says yo we're gonna we can't go to Danbury. We uh we got to go to Peekskill, which was a little bit further. And it was actually quite a bit further. And I just had this bad feeling. I couldn't explain it. I don't know what it was, but he's like, yo, you know, we got to go to Peekskill instead. And um, something didn't sit right. And I said to him, I said, um, all right. I said, I'll call you back in a minute. And I'm on my way, like I'm literally on my way to his crib, <laughs> on his on the way to his house. And he says to me, um, or you know, I get off the phone with him, and and for some reason, man, something just didn't sit right, and I decided not to go. And I went to my other boy's house instead, and thought about it, and for some reason, I didn't end up picking up. The crazy thing is, like, if he just, he knew I was on my way. I mean, he knew I was on my way to go and pick him up. If he didn't even say anything, uh, if I if I arrived to his house and he said, yo, we got to go to Peekskill instead, I mean, I would have been with him and that would have been it, you know? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said, nah, I'm not going there, you know? But the fact that he called me and I had that room that I wasn't with him and I was able to kind of get that like that second that second thought like something clicked and I and I to this day like you know I am spiritual like I do believe in a higher power I do believe that there was something working for me that day I do believe that something was looking out for me and I was able to wake the fuck up you know and I and I think about that often well, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say really often, but I do I do think about that every every once in a while, like how different my life could have been if that happened. Because once you go back, and once that obsession takes over, and that that urge, that craving, that phenomenon of craving, once it's there, once it's there to, once it arrives, man, it's there to stay. At least with people like me, like there is no um, getting high for a couple days and then like going back to the meetings. You know what I mean? Like that's just not how I operate. Um, and who knows? And that that really served me as a as a huge example of how close I am, like at all times. You know, I'm still capable, right? I mean, that was six years ago. 
I have eight years today, you know, a little, little over eight years, and, and it doesn't mean shit because I'm just as close as making a bad choice as the next individual. And I was one phone call away. I mean, dude, if he didn't decide to call me and I picked him up and he got in my car, that would have been it. There would have been no going back. And sometimes some things are unexplainable and, you know, they, they, you just have to chalk it up as a great learning experience. And that's what it was for me. It was a huge alarm. Um, you know, it was a huge bell for me, like, of what, of how potentially my life could have played out in a different way. And, and I remember after that, obviously the following days and the weeks, like how grateful I was that I didn't go back and it was all my doing. You know what I'm saying? Like the reason why I was in that position was because I put myself there. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I was starting to hang out with the the old crowd again. I wasn't being honest with, with the people that were holding me accountable and were positive in my life. Uh, I was holding on to resentments and, and over some bullshit that really wasn't important in the big picture. You know, I started losing track of what was really important and I was willing to, in that moment when I was, um, in that vulnerable spot, I was willing to throw it all away just to escape those temporary feelings. And something to always remember is you don't make permanent decisions based off of temporary emotions because our emotions change and we're responsible for our emotions. You know, sometimes life can get tough. Sometimes life is fucking great and and everything in between. But at the end of the day, one of the things I'm most grateful for is that I didn't go back. I never woke up the next day thinking, man, I wish I got high. Nobody wakes up after a relapse and says, man, am I glad I did that. But if you hold out and you speak with people and you're being honest, you can get to a place where you... (laughs) Where you get through those times and you say, you know what, man, I'm, I'm real glad I stayed sober, you know. But when people are going through a lot of emotional changes or, or a lot of emotional pain or whatever the case may be, and you get the fuck it, it's a recipe for disaster. And, and the thing is, you're not guaranteed to get sober again. I know for a fact I got another run in me. I can go out and get high right now. Like, that's a guarantee, right? But I'm not guaranteed to come back. So that thought alone, if you can just, if you could put your head on the pillow at night and you make it through the day sober, man, it was a good day. No matter what's going on. Sometimes you got to keep it as simple as that. Because a relapse, it will not solve anything. It will never solve the issues that you think it will solve. It's all temporary shit, you know? And, um, you know, I look at where my life is today, like in that moment, I was so hyper-focused on my issues, which was so ridiculous, right? Like in that moment, I was extremely mad, extremely resentful. Didn't, you know, I felt isolated. I didn't feel like anybody had my back. I felt like I didn't have anybody to, um, you know, talk to and shit. And, uh, and I just wanted to escape 
and of course now I zoom out of I zoom out of that because I'm not in that space anymore and I fast forward to six years later and I look back and I think of how foolish I was but in that moment it was very real to me so like I said before you don't make permanent decisions based off of temporary feelings you know because there's going to be a time in the future where you don't feel like that there's going to be a time in the future where you have a life that you want to live, but you got to work for it. Sometimes you got to get through those painful times. It's all good, you know? Um, but when you're in the moment, sometimes you think that the world is ending. You make it, it's easy to make things bigger than what they really are. Or sometimes, you know what? They are big. They are big issues. But you got to keep in mind, you got to keep in mind your priorities. Sobriety's got to be, sobriety has to be your number one priority. Even when you don't want it to be. Because every time I put my sobriety last and I went back to getting high again and drinking again, my life fell apart. Nothing, nothing else, nothing else mattered. So that is why sobriety and recovery has to be number one to me. And if you're like me, and if you have big addiction uh, issues and, and addictive personality, that shit will take over your life in a heartbeat. And I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want that misery back, you know? So, hopefully you could take something from that. And if you're in the cycle right now, if you're getting high, you're drinking, you're ripping and running, you realize, man, this life sucks. Might get it. Might have been there miserable but there's always a way out like no matter what you know so if you're in that spot you could reach out to me um you know and i'll and i'll find a way to get you some help and uh you could do that by reaching out to me my number is 203-917-8862 again that is 203-917-8862 so that is all i got for you guys today Hope you have a tremendous day and uh, and I will see you guys on the next one.